You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again. This is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Rheumatology, welcoming you to the May 2022 edition of Editor's Pick. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. This month, we will begin with Dr. Sophie Girat giving an overview of the, of the paper entitled Gestational Diabetes Risk in Women with Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, and she is the first author of this paper. We know that women with lupus have an increased, uh, have a higher risk of insulin resistance, uh, which is an important risk factor for gestational diabetes. Um, and the use of glucocorticoids may increase the risk of gestational diabetes. Uh, so when we looked at the evidence before we conducted the study, uh, we concluded that it was unclear if lupus was associated with a higher risk of gestational diabetes. Uh, the meta-analysis of Dr. Dong uh, in 2000, published in 2000 to, to, uh, 2019 on the association of lupus and gestational diabetes uh, reported a non-significant pooled risk ratio of 1.08, but it showed a significant heterogeneity. Um, and the meta-analysis included only five studies, um, where two had a small sample size, uh, and three had unclear diagnostic criteria of gestational diabetes. And data on medication was largely missing. So uh, we felt like, um, yeah, and the scientific world needed some more evidence for on this topic. So at our clinical epidemiology uh, division of the Karolinska Institute, we have data access to Swedish registry data uh, to the total of the total Swedish population uh, with lupus. So this is great data to study a relatively rare disease like lupus. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Girard's overview of her paper entitled Gestational Diabetes Mellitus Risk in Pregnant Women with Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, and that you will listen to the complete interview that I had with Dr. Girard, as well as reading the full-length article. There is also an accompanying editorial entitled Systemic Lupus Erythematosus Increases the Risk of Gestational Diabetes, Truth or Illusion by Drs. Yanling Chan, Wen Dai, and Jiayu Wu from Shanghai Jiao Tong University of Medicine, Shanghai, China. Both these articles as well as the interview are available on our website at www.jroom.org. The next paper to highlight is entitled Patient and Physician Reported Effectiveness are similar for tofacitinib and TNFI in rheumatoid arthritis. Data from a rheumatoid arthritis registry and is by Movahedi on behalf of the OBRI investigators. Now a little background. The Ontario Best Practices Research Initiative, or OBRI, is a Canadian-based clinical multi-center registry which contains assessments from, from approximately one-third of the practicing rheumatologists in the province of Ontario, Canada. The aim of this study 
was to compare patient-reported and physician-reported outcomes in patients beginning new treatment with either tofacitinib or a TNF inhibitor. It could be one of any available agents. The outcomes of interest were the Clinical Disease Activity Index, or the CDI, and patient-based reported measures, Rheumatoid Arthritis Disease Activity Index, the RADAI, or the RADI, as well as the HAC Disability Index, or HAC-DI. A total of 419 patients were examined in the study, 226 who had initiated a TNF inhibitor, and 193 started tofacitinib. The proportion of patients in CDI, CDAI low disease activity or remission at six months were similar at at 36.7% and 33.2% in the TNF inhibitor group and tofacitinib groups, respectively. Similarly, when patient-measured outcomes were examined, there, was no, there were no significant differences between the treatments regarding the radar or the HAC, the eye. However, there was a significant association between physician-reported outcomes and patient-reported outcomes. This study adds to our knowledge of the comparative effectiveness of anti-TNF agents and JAK inhibitors. I will now move on to a study examining the treatment of JA in a paper entitled Consensus Approach to a treat-to-target strategy in juvenile idiopathic arthritis care from the 2020 PR COIN Consensus Conference by L. Tal and colleagues. I again want to review a little background information. Pediatric Rheumatology Care and Outcomes Improvement, Improvement Network, or PR COIN, is a collaborative network consisting of 21 pediatric rheumatology centers from across Canada and the U.S., which includes both physicians as well as patients and families. The aim of this study was to examine the important issues as assessed by both physicians and patients or families in implementing a treat-to-target strategy for patients with JIA. They found that the most important issues of a treat-to-target strategy were, one, the recognition that patients are a key component of the strategy. Two, shared decision-making is crucial. And three, the majority of barriers to implementation of this strategy was the clinic workflow as well as a lack of buy-in from both clinicians and families. Although much work still needs to be done, as outlined in the paper, I believe this is an important article to help us understand why, although clinicians in principle support an individualized treat-to-target strategy, this treat 
treatment strategy does not work in all patients, and this does not only apply to JAA patients, but in fact, to patients with all forms of inflammatory arthritis. It is recognized that gout disproportionately affects different ethnicities. The next article I would like to highlight is entitled Modifiable Factors in Incident Gout Across Ethnicity Within a Large Multi-Ethnic Cohort of Older Adults and is by Thompson and colleagues. They examine the issue of gout incidence and the associations with behavioral factors including diet, alcohol, and smoking within a very large multi-ethnic population which use Medicare gout claims over a 17-year period. A total of 9,648 patients with gout were studied of which the ethnicity percentages were varied with 32.3% being Japanese, 28.3% white, 19% Latino, 13.4% black, and 7% Hawaiian. They found that relative to whites, native Hawaiians had the highest risk of gout, which was followed by black and Japanese participants. Well, the Latinos studied had a lower risk of gout than whites with a hazard ratio of 0.78. Alcohol use was associated with an increased risk, as was smoking, while a higher dietary quality was associated with a decreased gout risk. Importantly, the degree and significance of the associations of many of these factors with the higher risk of gout differed across ethnicities. As many of these risk factors are potentially modifiable, this paper and the accompanying editorial entitled Racial Disparities in the Modern Gout Epidemic by Drs. Natalie McCormick and Hyun Choi from Harvard Medical School, Boston, USA, are important readings to allow you to enhance your individualized treatment for patients with gout. The last paper I would like to highlight is entitled COVID-19 Vaccination Uptake among individuals with immune-mediated inflammatory diseases in Ontario, Canada, between December 2020 and October 2021, a population-based analysis, and is by Whittafield and colleagues. The aim of this study, as may be suggested by the title, was to compare the COVID-19 vaccine uptake among patients with immune-mediated inflammatory diseases as compared to the general population in Ontario, Canada. A total of 12,435,914 people were assessed using administrative data. Importantly, all COVID-19 vaccinations are recorded in Ontario as well as was the patient's immune-mediated inflammatory disease diagnosis.
by October of 2021, the cumulative percentages of at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccination was 82.1% for the general population, 88.9% for patients with RA, 87.4% for those with AS, 90.6% for patients with PSA, 87% for patients with IBD, individuals with an immune-mediated inflammatory disease in the younger age group had an earlier and increased uptake as compared to the general population. There was also a higher total cumulative percentage of patients with immune-mediated inflammatory diseases versus the general population. The difference was also evident when stratifying by age. In this article, the authors described the implications of these vaccination findings and compare them to the vaccination uptake reported from other countries. Full details of the rates on the individual diseases as well as the uptake over time are given in this article. As a Canadian, I'm proud to look at this data showing the excellent uptake in patients with immune-mediated inflammatory diseases, which was higher than those seen in most other countries. The image in rheumatology this month describes a 31-year-old previously healthy woman who presented to the hospital with fever, cough, and progressive shortness of breath. One week earlier, she had noted she had crampy abdominal pain and diarrhea. An echocardiogram was suggestive of myocarditis, while cardiac MRI showed evidence of pericarditis. She had a myocardial biopsy, which documented a mononuclear cell infiltration of the myocardium, predominantly of T lymphocytes and macrophages. A PCR of her nasal swab was negative for SARS-CoV-2, but she did have antibodies directed against the nucleocapsid protein of SARS-CoV-2, indicative of a recent COVID-19 infection. A diagnosis of multi-system inflammatory syndrome was made this disease entity, although rarely seen as adult, is much more common in children. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only my highlighted articles, but all the articles in the May 2022 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in the print edition or on the online edition, which is available at www.jroom.org. And please watch my interview with the author of the highlighted articles of this month, but also of previous months, if you have missed them. They are available for viewing at our website and on YouTube. If you have any comments or questions of the highlighted articles or any article in the Journal of Rheumatology, please send them to manuscripts at jroom.com. Please listen next month to the June edition of Editor's Highlights 
and please stay healthy.